Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. I am your ginger host, Mackenzie, and I'm joined. It is very appropriate for what we're doing today. Appropriate today, Mackenzie. Very, very appropriate. Yes. Uh, And I'm joined by the Canadian B. Arthur, the Marilla to my Matthew. Uh, John Adams of Canadian Theater, yes. Autumn Smith. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. Everybody. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to a very exciting episode. Our first Canadian musical on this podcast. And considering we are based in Canada, the fact it's taken us almost three seasons to get here. Not sure if we're good Canadians on this front. But either way, we are doing, dare I say, the Canadian Annie that also features a redheaded orphan that goes and changes a community. And Autumn, what is it, my kindred spirit? What are we doing? We are doing Anne of Green Gables. Never. We are doing Anne of Green Gables, the musical. The quintessential Canadian musical. Yes, it is. Also, the Canadian Annie that, might I say, came before Annie. Way before. Way before. Not way before. came out in the 1960s. Annie was 70s. So a decade earlier. The original material came out before Annie, too. Oh, yes. That is true. Correct. The OG source material. The Americans pilfering from Canada. Of course. Of course. I see. But yes. But yes, before there was Come From Away that everybody called the Canadian musical... There was Anna Green Gables. So yeah. we're that's what we're talking about today. We are doing this musical. I chose it, even though I even though I know Autumn likes it, which I which I originally was hesitant. I didn't, I didn't know she was gonna like Anna Green Gables because I know sometimes she's not a big fan of hokey. I like some hokey. Yeah, see that's the I thing. Like, you like some hokey, not all hokey, some hokey, hokey. arts, you mm. see. Some hokey is just hokey. Yes. But this is definitely hokey with heart. heart. Yeah, this is hokey with heart. I I don't even know if I'd call this hokey. I just call it rural town rural. It's like Music Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar to Music Man. Either way, I chose this piece. And I chose it for a number of reasons. But the first reason was obviously, as I said, back in the winter of 2004. Um, I 
did this musical. And so it was like, got to do it at some point. Like we've done All Over, which was my very first musical I ever performed. But yeah, this was, yeah, this, this, this was the follow-up. I appeared in one scene as Late Orphan. And then I will get into my history, and then I'll get into my production history with Ingrid Gills when we actually get to my first experiences. It's epic. But yes, I chose it because I performed in it. And then I also chose it because it is truly the, the Canadian musical, more than I would say Come From Away. Because Come From Away is still very American. Even though it's written by a bunch of Canadians, it still has a very American base to it in the I sense of. It does. I don't know. I disagree with you. I think we'll, we'll get into come from away. It's, we will get into come from away at one point. Yeah, but I think what what is fascinating about both these musicals is they highlight the awesomeness of the East Coast of Canada. Yes, and that you know why you know why I really love these musicals is because they both have the spirit of the Irish in them. Mm, and her Irish. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. And the last reason I chose it was simply because I love the music of this. Like it's, it's right. a mix of like old Broadway, but with, with like perfectly written characters. Every one of these songs fits like a glove in the story. Like yeah. there's not one song where I go, that didn't fit, or like that didn't fit character. Anna Green Gables, every one of those songs still fits. It still rings true that this this it there it is absolutely timeless and it's one of these weird things where it was never written to be timely which is something that happens a lot of times in theater especially now where everything has to be timely about a certain topic or issue that's the hot button topic of the day and then they become timeless this piece has always been timeless there's there like i i i there was never a timely quality about it it was just this is it just came about uh, because it's based on a Canadian work that then got commissioned to be in, turned into a musical. And it's had this timeless quality. This and the music just has that timeless feel. Like you hear that opening chorus of Anakin Gables, and you're just whimsically transported through time and space. It does. To this fictional town. It's beautiful. And also, I just love the overture for this as well. Just the Like we're off to the race with that violin that opens it. It's true. It's 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 a solid piece. Yeah. That I wish was performed more prolifically mm -hmm. on a global scale. It deserves to be. It's never had a Broadway run. Oklahoma. It's mm -hmm. just as good as Oklahoma. Yes. Um, absolutely. Like, uh, come on, people. Come mm -hmm. on. Give it some love. You like Canadian musicals. You've shown us that with yes. Company way mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. give us a chance with our other things yeah and then, like uh, they're great they also like drowsy chaperone another canadian musical yeah but this musical really laid the foundation for uh the possibility of canadians doing musicals musical theater yeah like it laid the the foundation for mm -hmm. the prom queens it's, the life actors the it's been the cornerstone that everything else has now followed on afterwards yeah it's it set the benchmark um Okay, but let's 
quickly go over the plot for anybody who doesn't know the plot of Anne Green Gables, which, hey, you know what? some people may not have read the book, but, you know, I mean, or seen the musical, but basically, Anne Green Gables tells the story of a g- red-haired ginger orphan girl named Anne with an E. With an uh, E? Don't yes. E. You cannot forget the E. Uh, who, by mistake, uh, is brought to live on a farm, Green Gables, on Prince Edward Island, with an elderly brother and sister named Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert. Yeah. At first, Marilla is all hell-bent on sending Anne back and getting a boy to help on the farm, as Matthew has recently had a heart attack uh, and needs the physical labor help. However, as Marilla is on her quest to send Anne back, another lady in town named Mrs. Blewett, who has a number of children and is a little rough around the edges, offers to take Anne in. But once Marilla sees the living conditions, she very quickly reverses her, her course and says, Anne can stay. Uh, and from there, Anne then befriends the local girl named Diana Barry. She becomes enemies with Josie Pye. Mm. And she starts a a a, a competitive relationship with local boy Gilbert Blythe after he calls her hair carrots and she smashes her chalkboard slate over his head mm-hmm. in true iconic fashion. Wow. And forever these two then compete the rest of the musical. And then they fall in love. That's the sequel. No, they fall in love by the end of this musical. It's hinted at. It's hinted at. But before that, the musical culminates in a big competition between Anne and Gilbert, where they compete for a teaching scholarship. For the Avery Prize. The Avery Prize, correct. And then at the school pageant, uh, Anne finds out that she won the scholarship. However, the shock of this sends Matthew to having heart problems, and he escapes the pageant goes home and finds him at home after the pageant. He is not doing well. Uh, He has a brief conversation with Anne before he sends her away and he has a final heart attack. It sadly passes. He dies. This musical is is not overly happy. Like, it does have a dark undertow. But that's what makes it perfect. Agreed. Agreed. And then after Matthew's heart attack, Merlo's eyesight is going... And she can't keep the farm if and if Anne goes away. And so she and nobly gives up the scholarship to Gilbert. Uh, so she can stay on Green Gables while still teaching locally at the local school. And and Gilbert will go off and do the scholarship. And at the end, it is hinted at that they are going to have a romance, but they have still but they first solidify themselves as friends, not enemies. So it's a it's it's a perfect way to end it. It oh it ends it perfectly with like sequel that ne- it ends perfectly with a song called Wondering. Yes. Why we can't be sweethearts and blundering, why my heart keeps thundering about you this way. Which clearly hints at the romance that is growing between them. Because yeah. they're hitting that age now when that would start to happen. We it forget that the musical starts with in at like age. Thing. 12 13 when it starts and then by the end she has become like a 16 17 year old so there is a time that of growth that we see in Anne throughout the story where yes. she goes from adolescent to young woman um yeah that's true so by the end she would start having those romantic feelings towards gilbert 
I no, I think it's there from the beginning. I don't know if it's there from the beginning. Anybody who calls you carrots and then you smash them over there with a chalkboard slate doesn't scream romance right off the top. I think it does. It, 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 I learned it, at a very young Throughout age, the musical, boy. Gilbert is trying to get to Anne. Like, I, I, at the ice cream social, he tries to give her an ice cream. Josie Pie trips him and he smashes ice cream in her face. That's right. They have, they have other small moments throughout the second yeah. act where they're trying to connect and he's trying to be he's trying to befriend her basically no he's trying to like woo her. her woo her yeah. i mean I, I mean that's how josie pie interprets it hence why we get the great song did you hear where she sets out to destroy Anne in the true care and fashion right. and she's jealous because she wants gilbert for herself yes well we will get into that either way i think i think it's more of adolescent friendship turning into love Otto thinks it's love right off the top. So I, no, there's it look it. It's not it's it's a liking. It's a it, it's funny that the song Kindred Spirits is for Diana yes. and Anne. It's actually for Anne and Gilbert. Yes, they are kindred spirits. They are it, very much the same human being. Yes. But that's why they fight but and click at the same time. And that's why mm-hmm. they're going to be great lovers. Yes. In the sequel musical, Anne and Gilbert, that came decades later. Let's head into the creative team, because this is a whole new team we got. And Autumn, I'm going to let you look at, you have a whole mini book there. Holy crap. I'm going to try to to condense it as I read. All right. Um, So let's start with the original material. The original Mm -hmm. material was written by, like, member of the British Empire, Lucy Maud Montgomery. And this was uh, the piece that made her famous. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm right, it did. Yeah, she was was born in Prince Edward Island. Her mother died of tuberculosis when she was 21 months old. Stricken with grief, her father placed Lucy Maud Montgomery in the custody of her maternal grandparents. Okay, so like her Marilla Matthew. Well, yeah, her her life very much parallels that of Anne. Mm. And he moved to the Northwest Territories to work. Okay. It is noted that she was very lonely as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite having relatives nearby, much of her childhood was spent alone. So she created imaginary friends and worlds to cope with her loneliness. So it uh, everything in Lucy Maud Montgomery's life, she she wrote what she knew, and it was not inc- a bad thing to do. No, she was incredibly successful with it, right? Um, she wrote a whole book series on Anne. It, like people yeah. forget that there's a whole book series. It's not everybody always reads the first one, and then yeah. kind of forgets the other four or five. Like how many books are in that series? Quite a few. A, a lot. A lot. The uh, And she wrote many other trilogies. She wrote the Emily of the New Moon. So she was quite prolific. She lived in Prince Edward Island. When she married, she also moved to Ontario and spent a lot of time in Ontario. In fact, she wrote a novel uh, when she was staying in Muskoka. Yeah. Yeah. There's There's a house here in Muskoka in Port Carling where she wrote one of her books. So she... She a quite a very prolific Canadian writer, female writer. However, a very interesting story about the Anna Green Gable series is 
when she was first writing it, people kept rejecting it. <laughs> people kept rejecting it. And after a while, she just put the manuscript in a hat box. Oh, I remember and this. Box and gave up. Mm -hmm. And it stayed there for almost a year. Mm -hmm. And then one morning she just woke up and said, I'm going to give it one more shot. Mm -hmm. So she sent it to a Boston publisher, L.C. Page. And at L.C. Page, she had an ally, a Prince Edward Island expat called Miss Arbuckle, one of the <laughs> readers, and she was enchanted by the novel. So Miss Arbuckle quietly and persistently championed Anne to the other staff readers until several supported the novel. Love that. So, and then it was produced. So this, this novel, this series of novels was the catalyst for this Canadian musical. The, it was composed by Norman Kenneth Campbell, who was a Canadian composer, television producer, and television director. Best known for this work. Um, he was born in L.A., but then he joined CBC Vancouver in 1948. And then in 52, he came to Toronto to produce early CBC television broadcasts. Mm -hmm. um, he produced and directed hundreds of television programs between the 1950s and 60s, including a drama ballerina uh, in 1966. He directed episodes of All in the Family, Mary Tyler Moore Show, and One Ugh. Day at a Time. Love those shows. Yeah. Campbell directed six episodes of Fraggle Rock in 19... Oh, I remember Fraggle Rock. He was made an officer of the Order of Canada wow. in 78 and then received the Order of Ontario in 1998. He was also named a member of the Royal Canadian Academy of Arts in 1975. He established a reputation, actually, for adapting ballet for television. And he won two Emmy Awards for this venture, including 72 for Sleeping Beauty with Rudolf Nureyev. Mm. And that's what was the catalyst to Walt Disney hiring him to direct um, the movie Ballerina. So in 1965, Federation Center for the Arts in Charlottetown mm -hmm. commissioned Campbell and his collaborators, one of which was his wife, Elaine, yes. Yes. Um, to create a stage version of Anne of Green Gables. Correct. Campbell, with his wife, Anton Heron, also wrote musicals for Turvey, The Wonder of It All, which appeared on television and on stage. CBC. So, that's right, CBC. So that is our wonderful composer. The lyricist is the magnificent Donald Hugh Heron. Don Heron, mm. who just a banner of a human being, who I had the pleasure of meeting at U of T at one point. Cool. Yeah, really, really, really great. He is a Canadian icon, mm -hmm. most notably known for his work on the country music series, Hee Haw, where he played the role of Charlie Farquharson. He is Toronto born and bred. His parents owned a uh, cleaners in Toronto beginning at the age of 10. He earned extra money for the family during the Great Depression. And he did chalk talks telling humorous stories while drawing caricatures and colored chalk at company or club banquets. Hmm. And he would make 10 or $15 a talk. I thought this was fantastic. That's pretty good, actually. 
Uh, yeah. As a result of his performances, he was invited to audition for and won a part in the Canadian Radio Broadcasting Commission radio series, Lonesome Trail, in 1935. Huh. So as a teenager, Heron spent time working as a farmhand in rural Ontario, experience that he credited his character of uh, Charlie Farquharson to. He graduated from Vaughan Road Collegiate and then briefly attended U of T before enlisting in the RAF. He Royal Canadian Air Force. Yep. He survived the Second World War and came back and received a Bachelor of Arts degree. And he performed prolifically in amateur and professional productions and won the Victoria College Drama Award and composed the music and lyrics for a student musical. After a university, he appeared in a number of plays and reviews in Toronto, including the annual Spring Thaw Review, which was very huge at the time. And it gave him national exposure when he went, was picked up by the CBC. He spent two years in London. He performed in a production of Streetcar Named Desire. Classic. Uh, and also worked for the BBC as a comedy writer and took on the part of a clown in the film The Red Shoes. Oh. And he wrote scripts for Gracie Fields. So then Heron was featured in the inaugural season of the Stratford Shakespeare Festival in Ontario. Oh, male lead in all's well that ends well and he had a minor part in richard the third he did that on broadway and was one of the writers for the first english language dramatic series broadcast in canada sunshine sketches he then went on to do this musical with mr norman campbell and the other collaborators Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there there's so many things we could say about Don Heron, but I grew up with him on Hee Haw, and I am just a huge fan. And it was through, like, learning about Don Heron as a kid that I came to Anna Green Gables. We'll talk about yes. that later. So, as I mentioned before, the piece was co-written with Campbell and Heron by Elaine Campbell, who helped write the book. Uh, and she was the wife of Norman, but she also helped write the other two musicals, as I previously stated. And the other collaborator on this piece was James Maver Moore. Correct. Um, and James Maver Moore was a Canadian writer, producer, actor, public servant, critic, and educator. He notably appeared as Nero Wolf in the CBC radio production in 1982. Mm-hmm. Born in Toronto, um, he was born to uh, Francis John Moore, an Anglican theologian, and Dora Mavermore, who helped establish Canadian professional theatre in the 1930s and the 1940s. So establishing theatres in his blood. That is correct. His mother was born in Glasgow, uh, the daughter of economist James Maver. How fun is that? Here is where it all comes together. Are you ready? I'm ready. Moore began acting at the age of six on the Hart House stage. Ah. Continued through his high school career at the University of Toronto Schools. 
He received a BA from the University of Toronto in 1941, and he also served on the military as an intelligence officer during World War II. He did that. Um, he Then he went to work for the CBC. He was one of the creator of uh, the CBC National News, later known as The National Love that. He is well known for his contributions to drama, including uh, having created more than 100 plays, documentaries, musicals, and librettos for the stage. From 1970 to 84, he taught theater history as a professor at not U of T, but at York University. He received three Peabody Awards for his radio documentaries produced on behalf of the United Nations. Moore was the founding chair of the British Columbia Arts Council, and he sat on the first board of governors of the Stratford Festival. He was the founding chair of the Canadian Theatre Centre, the Guild of Canadian Playwrights, and was the founding director of the Charlotte Town Festival. Correctamundo. So the last person that I just want to touch on briefly is the original director and choreographer, yes, Alan Lund. So Alan was a Canadian dancer, choreographer, who worked in all the things, television, movies, and theater. Mm-hmm. He trained in Toronto and first established a performance reputation as a with a dance team with his wife, Blanche, appearing during World War II in the review, Meet the Navy. Hmm. So he, he and his wife, became two of the first contract players for CBC television. He turned to choreography in the 50s and uh, did various productions, including Spring Thaw, the Canadian National Exhibition Grandstand Show. I remember those. That is how old I am. And he did work at the Stratford Festival. So these people's lives were intertwined from the word go. From 1966 to 1986, he became the artistic director of the Charlottetown Festival, where he directed this musical. He also, his own legend of the Dumbbells premiere at the festival in 1977, and then he went on to do Kiss Me Kate in Toronto in 86. From 1987 until his death, he was the resident director of the Rainbow Stage. He also worked at the BAM Center for many years and received an honorary degree mm-hmm. from the University of Prince Edward Island and became known as uh, an officer of the Order of Canada. That's a high he honor. So, collaborated extensively with his friend Alex Moustakis, the artistic director of the Drayton Festival. Hmm. Um, and there is a scholarship at the Drayton called the Alan Lund Tribute Show. Uh, it is awarded annually, and it is a, a fund that stems out of a variety show and fundraiser for the Drayton Festival. Beautiful. I will say, unlike my normal production history, that is pages upon pages of Max's historical recounting of, of a musical, this will be a much shorter one, because sadly, this musical... Actually, I, Autumn, I will say, this is another fun fact. So on top of being our first Canadian musical, this will be our first musical to not appear on Broadway. It, it has never hit the Broadway stage. It's gone off Broadway, which we're going to get into, but never on Broadway. Yeah. 
So here we go. So the novel was originally adapted for television by Don Heron, who covered book and lyrics, Norman Campbell, who did the music, and Phil Nimmons, who did the orchestrations. And this all kind of came to be after Don Heron visited with the Campbells, Norman and his wife, Elaine. And he had the book with him and said, this would make a great musical. So they kind of went, all right, let's do it. So the team wrote an early version of the musical that premiered on March the 4th, 1956 on CBC Folio with Toby Tiernow as Anne Shirley and John Draney as Matthew. A second uh, CBC TV production aired in, on the 18th of November, 1958, starring Kathy Willard as Anne. Then James Maver Moore, the founding artistic director of the Charlottetown Confederation Center for, of the Arts, used a song from... Uh, uh, from that Green Gables TV movie in the inaugural variety performance, which was attended by none other than Queen Elizabeth II, who was in the audience. In 1956, the Charlottetown Festival commissioned Heron and Campbell to expand the TV version into a full-length musical. And so basically the whole team got back together. Don, Elaine, Norman, Phil, the whole team, they reassembled. Along with Maver Moore supplying additional lyrics and, and oh, sorry, John uh, Finwick now took over orchestrations, hmm. not Phil uh, Nimmons. Sorry, Phil. Sorry, Either Phil. way, the musical opened at the Charlottetown Festival, and then it went on its first tour across Canada's major cities in 1967. It came to Toronto and played at the Royal Alexandra Theatre from September 25th to September the 30th. 1967. And I will note, this is where my Aunt Mary uh, saw it originally with, with, with the Royal Alexandra's velvet wallpaper. She remembers touching the velvet wallpaper, uh, seeing it with uh, her mom uh, and, and the local church group. They all went uh, from Newton Robinson, Ontario, which is north of Toronto, uh, up by Cookstown, actually, uh, where yeah. I performed it. And they went and saw it in Toronto. It was it was like a Sunday church outing with the church ladies. That's uh, hilarious. I love that. And my aunt bought the record and she would play the record at, at the house. In 1970, the musical uh, represented Canada at the World's Fair in Osaka, Japan. And the second national tour took place in 1974 at 34 venues. And the third national tour was in 1982 with nine stops. In 1969, it opened in London's West End and won the Drama Critics Award for Best New Musical of that year with Canadian Barbara Hamilton playing Marilla. Oh. So there you go. The uh, Mrs. Linda of the movie, the OG movie. Correct. Uh, it played off-Broadway in New York from December 21st, 1971 to January 2nd, 1972 at the New York City Center. So there you go. So, and then during the 1980s and 1990s, the musical was produced heavily in Japan, building up a very strong base of uh, Japanese fans. And that's awesome. I, I love that. I love that this work spans the globe. It it's should huge. Be good. It, it, is a, it has universal messaging, mm -hmm. um, which is awesome. It's an awesome, you know what? All of it is awesome. The books are awesome. 
The original um, miniseries is awesome. Mm-hmm. The musical is awesome. So another two-month eight-city tour of Japan was mounted in 1991. A tour was organized by director Walter Learnings and starred Leslie Way as Anne and Dennis Ferguson as Merla and David Hughes as Matthew. In uh, May 2009, Dan Cap Productions brought the original Charlottetown Festival production starring Amy uh, Wallace to Toronto for a limited run at the Elgin Theater. So there you go. Uh, so for the showing uh, in the year 2008 in Charlottetown to commemorate the 100th anniversary, a portrayal of Lucy Maud Montgomery and the students sang a reprise of Anne Gables in the beginning, following a bit of history of how Montgomery arrived at the plot of Anne of Green Gables to start off each show. So there you go. That was a nice little addition for that year. In 2011, the Charlottetown production underwent considerable changes. Heron was contracted by the Confederation Center to write new scenes for the musical, and sets were redesigned to create a three-dimensional effect and the revamped uh, orchestrations were done as well. And the new version was launched on January, or sorry, June 28th, 2011. And ticket sales increased significantly in its debut season. So there you go. Uh, Anderson Gable, since its premiere, has become Canada's longest running main stage musical. Just before its 50th season in 2014, it was announced that this production of Anderson Gable's The Musical had been named by Guinness Book of World Records as the longest-running annual musical theater production in the world. So, yay us Canadians. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So this is where the new film versions come into play. In 2013, Canadian indie film producers, The Film Farm, and Sidor Media announced plans to turn the long-running musical into a feature film. Written by actor and playwright Kristen uh, Thompson. However, the film was cancelled due to the other Anne project of Anne with an E on CBC and Netflix. So there you go. Okay. However, there's competition now for this musical because Anna Green Gables, a new musical, a new adaptation of the story with the original songs by Matt Vinson and uh, Matty O'Brien premiered at Finger Lakes Music Theater Festival in 2018. They've also released a concept album in November, 2020. And there's a follow-up production scheduled for the Goodspeed Opera House. So Americans doing a Canadian story. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So Just the original, it's better. Agreed. I guarantee. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to see a new musical version of this. I'm sorry. Not in Canada anyway. Really picky, but uh, don't mess with a good thing. Just leave it alone. Agreed. End point on that statement. Yes. Well, I will now give you some other notable Charlottetown Festival Anna Green Gables because there have been quite a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grace Finley and Jessica Gallant are the only two actresses to play in who are from Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. You have Tracy Moore from 1986 who played Anne, but she also was the voice of the animated Anne in the Anna Green Gables the animated series. Mm. You have my friend Ms. Glynis Rainey who played the role from 1991 to 1992. Broadway actress Jelena Kennedy played it from 2000 to 2001. The late, wonderful Amy Wallace played it from 2006 to 2009. And many uh, people will know Dorothy Gale contestant on CBC's Over the Rainbow, AJ 
uh, Bridal played the role from 2017 <gasps> to 2018. So there are being quite a few notable ands. That is it for production history. Autumn, tell us about your first experience with this musical. How did you come to it? Was it on the set of your time with actually? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you told the audiences about 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 this external connection with Anna Green Gables. Oh yeah, when I was thirteen, I was in the movie. Yeah. That was that was great. Yeah. Way to blow over that. Like you can give a little bit more about that one. This is the time to tell that story, Autumn. It's, uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I guess that was my claim to fame in the world that I was in the OG and Green Cable movies. Mm-hmm. As who? Girdle, Myrtle and Girdle, 14, mm-hmm. has stated. Yes. Mm-hmm. The KLC girl in the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my actor credit, friends, from, oh, I don't know, almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. We will see if we can find a YouTube clip of this oh, and we'll post there. it. We, and we will there. post it on, on our socials so you all if, can enjoy if it. If you cannot find it, Sarah will find it for you. Mm-hmm. I was not a nice person in it. Um, I played against my type, my <laughs> myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's not, I knew of this musical and some of the music earlier than that mm-hmm. because I remember in grade four for public speaking, I had to do a, I did a speech on ice cream. And in my public speaking debut, I sang a bit of the song. Ice cream. Is anything more delectable than ice cream? So I did that. So I've known it for a very long time and I've seen multiple versions. I saw the Amy Wallace version Mm -hmm. um, when it came to Toronto. I feel like I saw another version when it came to Toronto at the Royal Alex, but I didn't see that original version. In from nineteen sixty seven, out of the womb, yeah. And I've I've adjudicated multiple versions of this. Okay, so uh, now get now now I get to tell you my story. So I did not know about this musical until I went out to Prince Edward Island one family summer when I was around the ages of seven or eight. Can't remember which one because we did New Brunswick one year and then PI the next year. It was one of those. Uh, but my Aunt Mary came out with us to Prince Edward Island because she is a big fan of Anna Green Gables. And it. we went out to the Avonlea living town that you can go out and visit with live actors and, and the schoolhouse. And you can put in the, my sisters actually have pictures with them in the like the, the try on costumes you could wear. Yes. And they reenact scenes from the book. It's a whole thing. Um, and at the gift shop, my aunt bought the CD of Anna Green Gables. And now it should be noted that prior to my, my aunt's purchasing of the CD, my mother did not know this musical either. However, after listening to it in the car for the better part of a week, uh, my mother made my aunt take it with her and <laughs> made her swear not to bring it back into town again. Much to my chagrin, because I did love that CD very much. Um, so my aunt had the CD and finally she did bring it back and I was able to put it on my iPod as long as I promised to never play it out loud in the car. I had to keep it to myself, but I did have it. Um, and I do love it dearly. I still have that recording on my phone. Actually. Yeah, It's still there. 
with what is not skipping track of um if it had it been for you where it skips oh. uh, in the in the track so there you go um either way so listen to it on the road in pei my aunt took the cd and then uh in the fall of 2004 following my star turn as the late orphan in oliver i was cast in the south central theater production of anna green gables with scott versus as my director and there was enough people originally when this production started that they actually made up a role for me named Rob Wright. And the fact that I found out when I was at a family reunion party with my Aunt Mary and I turned to her and said, Aunt Mary, like we might, we just got the call saying I'm going to be in Anna Green Gables. And I was like, oh yeah, who are you going to be? And I was like, I'm Rob Wright. And my aunt, who's read the books a number of times, she went, Rob Wright? Who the hell is Rob Wright? We're going <laughs> to... <laughs> So that's when I found out my character was the made-up character of the town. As rehearsals happened throughout the fall of 2004, <laughs> we did lose a few male actors. Mm -hmm. And as that happened, I slowly but surely moved my way up the character list until I ended up... In the so society just kept moving you up. Exactly. And the I ended up... Of Avonlea. Yeah. <laughs> I moved up the ranks of Avonlea and I ended up having the speaking role of the French-Canadian Jerry Boitier, who has two lines in the entire show. And the one line I do remember is during the song Summer, and it is, in the, in the script it is read, it is said is, I lost the wisdom too. However, because I was 11 at the time and did not have wisdom teeth to be extracted, uh, it was changed to she, as in my character sister, lost a wisdom tooth. And my sister was played by the same actress who played Chrissy Andrews in Act One, who needed to, who basically was recast for Act Two as a another member of the chorus. Yeah. Um, so we can't, we can't talk about Prissy Andrews in Act Two. Well, she does show up in Act Two at the pageant, but is my but you're not gonna you're not gonna keep one teenager off stage for majority of Act Two. You gotta kind of re recycle. So yes, I I I I was in that production. I played Jerry Boite. However, my dancing was I will I will admit my dancing was atrocious. I have two left feet when it comes to dancing. No rhythm whatsoever. Oh, um, so Scott very kindly said, Mac, I'm not gonna have you in the uh the foot shoe ballet, which is, happens at the top of act two where all the boys take off their shoes and do a, a, foot, a, a ballet dance. And instead, I had a featured role in the Nature Hunt Ballet, where throughout the Nature Hunt, I got to use various props, including a butterfly net, a jar of polywogs, not tadpoles, polywogs. And I got to end the ballet with me walking out on stage with a fake hornet's nest, and I got to scare everybody off the stage. During the three-legged race, my poor scene partner had to carry me across the stage. <laughs> uh, and I can still even remember some of the choreography. Like, I remember that during the back-to-school ballet, I had to do hopscotch during the school activity. And I had to do it terribly, which was not hard, once again, two left feet. And I remember our music director schooling us on the fact that we weren't singing the word cream and ice cream correctly. We were doing ice cream and had to be a smooth cream, not a chunky cream, as he would say. 
So repeatedly, he ha he'd have to do the, it's not cream, it's cream. You have to hit the notes properly. So those those are some of my fun memories. That's my history with this musical. All right, Autumn, let's get into our top three songs. What is your yeah. first song? Do it, Cherry Boite. Let's yeah. do it, Cherry. Cherry let's Boite. do it, Cherry. Let's, let's, uh, let's do it, Gertie and whatever the other one's name is. Girdle. 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 Myrtle and Girdle. Let's do it, Myrtle and Girdle. What, what's your first song? Open the Window. That is my aunt's favorite song, and it is was it was the first song we learned as a kid ensemble, but it did not make my list. I adore this song. There's it's a just, great song. It's joy abounding. That is all I need to say about it. It is, it is. Ah, uh, I love it. Miss Stacy is one of my favorite characters. You should teach Hannah and read this song. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We actually did it with our young kids last year in one of our choirs. It's so good. It you can feel the window opening during the song. I it, look. look I could play any role. It would be Miss Stacy in this musical. I love Miss Stacy. I just love the joy. I love the joy in learning mm -hmm. that she infects the children with. Well, especially after Act One, where we've had what's his name as the oh. as the teacher, um, Mr. Phillips. Yes, Mr. Phillips, who has a very creepy relationship with Prissy Andrews. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We're not getting into that right now. Um, yeah, he knocks her up. Yeah, bad. Yeah, bad. Yeah, but Think from Mr. That, Phillips please. to to Miss Stacy, and I I just love that you go through. The lesson with her is where, like you like you talk about lobster fertilizing the way the sun works yeah you also get to hear about latum and decorum which i didn't know was a class back in the day but apparently decorum was oh yeah it was a class yeah like manners yeah what is that we don't have any of that today whatever happened to class whatever happened to class there's no decorum no. there's no etiquette no. what about Two elbows on the table, whatever. Who cares? Ooh, I used my salad fork. What's a salad fork? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Forget Look. posture. We live with our shoulders slumped. And I'm... Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So open the window for me, Mac. I <laughs> love that song because the music just glows like the sun in that song. Yeah. Like it's like you really can feel the shackles of these students falling off as, as, the, as the number builds. Yeah. Learning can be fun. What? Mm -hmm. 
it also and also i would have to say in the 60s the fact that you have this jazzy redux version that shows up at the end the open the window open the blind there it's like oh yeah It's it's Great. sassy and jazzy and awesomeness. Sassy and jazzy. Well said. Okay, so, what is your uh what's your number one? The words reprise. Mm. Mm-hmm. love the character of marilla she is my favorite character of the entire musical yeah i find her extremely fascinating in the most complex character of the piece who has huge struggle throughout the entire piece and throughout the piece you're just wanting to connect with marilla and this is the moment where you do this is the moment where you can yeah, she lets down her guard it's that it's like it's, it's a breaking it's she's her heart that she's kept stonewalled throughout the entire piece is breaking because yeah. this is the song that happens in the scene right after Matthew dies. It's right after they've buried Matthew. Marilla comes into the kitchen and she just sits. Yeah. It's simple. It's, it's, I yeah. love it because it's simple. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking to watch this woman who has been the leader of this family now become rudderless. And, yeah. and, 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 and just like Matthew, who throughout the entire piece struggled to find the words when Marilla was always the one who knew the words to say. Now she doesn't know what to say. Because she needed him. Yes. She needed him. He was part of her purpose in life. Yes. And she knew where she needed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so fascinating about Marilla as a character mm-hmm. and why she too is one of my most, like she is up there with Miss Stacy for me mm-hmm. is there is this, this wall of tradition of this way that she feels that she needs to be in the world mm-hmm. to survive it mm-hmm. and to keep organized. And that's what this woman, um, whose name I have forgotten again. From in with an E. Yes who nails it in the first thing when Matthew goes and she's so worried about him. All she does is get up and she cleans the house with a fervor Mm. that is unprecedented. And I'm like, yes, 
Mm-hmm. You get this character. This is exactly what she would do. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about maintaining. She needs organization. She needs order mm-hmm. to feel like things are okay for her. Yes. And when Matthew dies, it all becomes mm-hmm. worthless. Well, she. It's just the like. It's just like um, Cole House in Ragtime. It's like yeah. it's it's like. Um, but Cole House is seemingly more endearing, right? We get wheels, we get all of this. Marilla is like this. Well, she's cold throughout the piece. Like she's the one. Cold or if she's just ordered and it's different. I She, she, wants she is ordered. She, she is regimentally ordered. Like, like the and first song we get with her is, um, well, she appears at the end of Great Workers for the Cause and Where's Matthew Going? But she doesn't sing. The first time we get her is we clearly request a boy and her music is, Bum, ba, da, 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 da. It's that rhythmic beat that she sings. We clearly requested a boy. A boy is what we wanted, I guess. I guess that a girl's not so bad. But so badly we needed a boy. And this, and this, and this doesn't have that strong beat anymore. It's this is this is her only solo song in the entire piece. Matthew has several solo moments throughout the show to build up your endearance to him because he's gonna die. And you want to hit that emotional punch. But for Marilla, throughout the entire piece, you're wanting to connect because you find these little things like Gilbert's dad and her had a past relationship. There is something there with her that she There's is a longing. Up. Yeah. There's a longing and he is very much that person that that feels that she has to be something for other people mm-hmm. and sacrifice her own needs yes. for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that weighs on her, but it's so complex and it makes a really great character study because mm-hmm. even when in the film with Colleen Dewhurst, like, ah. The iconic Marilla magic and and richard richard farnsworth like uh, like talk about just the most brilliant casting mm-hmm. uh, of those rules and uh, you know the words is that i'm gonna change my second choice to the words too because you're okay. right it is that it is the song it is it, the it's oh. the biggest yeah it's the biggest struggle song and it's <laughs> no human because like the things like did i sing his praises like it's those any time you lose someone and you sit at the kitchen table after the funeral you sit and think or even before the funeral and you're sitting and waiting for the funeral you're sitting yeah. and thinking to yourself did i say i love you enough did was i do I right enough? by that yeah was i enough for you yeah exactly exactly and it's that struggle of that song and i like the way the melody works in this where you get the first bit of melody And then it fades away and Marilla starts by almost toxing it. I can't find the words Can't get out the phrases When he needed love Did 
and then and then and then she open and then as her heart breaks when she does the where did the words go when I was before him? Yeah. Like that's when the music opens up because she's finally opening up and asking these questions. Like for the first part of the song, she still is trying to be stoic. But as she's asking these questions, the, the, the heart is cracking and then it just breaks. And she ends the song with, I adore him. God, and she doesn't sing it. She, she speaks. God reward him. Reward him. I cannot find the words. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Like, even as a kid, it hit me on a very deep level. Like, I'll start crying thinking about it. Yeah. It's every time I have ever seen this, this Mm -hmm. musical, I lose it. I'm a hot mess after this song. Mm -hmm. How can you not be? I mean, well, the fact it's double punched with, we're going to get to the moment prior to this in a minute. Um, But yes, my number one is the words reprise because that's going to be my number two. All right. My number two is, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Tell me everything, my dear. You can trust me and you know my lips are sealed. Did you hear? Did you hear? Tell us everything, my dear, and we promise it will never be revealed. They should put the girl away. That's exactly what I say. You mean she went and spread a skull in two? I was there and I swear there was blood just everywhere. She's a fixer. She's a hussy. Who? Love it. Of course it's yours. It's like the pick a little, talk a little. That's my first note in this is, besides, I love the song is, I love how it's like pick a little, talk a little from Music Man, where the flutes are these chirping birds. Like, just chirping away at each other. Just... We don't want her kind in heavenly. And the fact that the music has this, like, Fran, it's it's like it's like when we talked about Sweeney Todd and we talked about um, uh, not Greenfinch but Kiss Me and there's that the fluttering of the wings it's yeah. that frantic nature and the fact that it gets more and more frantic as as the gossip and the story just grows from he got hit in oh. the head to he got driven dr- driven to Charlottetown where they had to pick the slate out of his brain basically oh it's great it's so good it's and it, so broken telephone. But it captures that small town gossipy vibe. And that's what this musical does great is from the very first song with Great Workers for the Cause, which almost made my list. I love that song as well. Because it, I love how regimented that song is. Yeah. But it's the way this, this team captured this community. It's like Music Man. There is a... Oh, it's very purpose. similar. It's, it's, it's very there's a purpose to this community. There is a drive to yeah. this community and you understand each and every one of these characters whether it's um miss stacy to i forget what the shopkeeper's name lucilla lucilla the shopkeeper to rachel lind uh to mrs pie and mrs barry and the fact that i the fact that it goes over everybody's head but they're they're cousins yeah like, like mrs like mrs barry mrs pie their family are cousins hence why josie pie and diana get, don't get along for many reasons but that's one of the many tiffs they have with each other but and i also love down. It's a small town. And I love the fact that when Marilla does come into the scene at the end and after Rachel Lind, who is a great character as well. I love Rachel Lind. She has a great character arc to her. But when she, when Marilla comes in and Rachel goes up to her and starts trying to gossip with her, I love the Marilla sass in that scene where she goes, I will never fear. You always have a bit of news. 
It's such a backhanded bit of sass. <laughs> Marilla is sassy, though. That's she, great about well, Once again, because Marilla is above the gossip. Like, even when she comes in with great workers for the cause, it's very, like, yes, these are her church ladies, and yes, she is part of them, but not really. There is a removal from her. Yeah, she doesn't get caught up with the drama. Well, but she does in this song, because at the end, she believes the gossip about Anne. And, yeah. I, and I, so, but that that's Merla's journey is that she finds the doubt in Anne and then she gets, then it changes. It's great. Uh, and then also, I love how this song perfectly works for Josie Pye, who once again could be, come across as a very two-dimensional schoolyard bully. But yet, because she has these great interjections throughout the song of, she has set her sights on Gilbert Blythe. It's as plain as plain can be. But if she wants him, she will have to get through me. Yeah. It's that, yeah. I, 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 it's it's character. We don't it's, want her kind in Avonlea. Exactly. And you get why she is stirring up this muck. Oh, yes. Oh, like, yeah. Like, Josie Pye is the OG Karen. Pro, like, I, I, we have the trope now, the Karen trope. Josie Pye is the OG Karen. Oh yeah, like she totally is the Karen. She is she is the um oh Von Tussles. Yes, yes, yeah. Amber Von Tussel. Absolutely. Well, they're both blonde and curly haired. It's she's the OG Amber Von Tussel. Mm-hmm. And like, but you get why Josie is doing this because she sees Anne as a formidable threat to Gilbert. They are exact. Her and Van Tussel are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. it. It's so great. And I just love, like, like I, 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 I we'll, we'll get into Wondering, but, like, I'm always waiting for that song to end so we can get into Did it. You Hear? I love I this song when I performed it, even though I was never in that song. But, yes, Did You Hear was my number two. What's your number three? Anne of Green Gables. The reprise that Matthew sings? Yes. That is my number three as well. So blossoms fade and friends must part old grow the songs with sun and of green gables in my heart you are forever young Just, it's he's heart he's all heart mm-hmm. literally and then it fails him yes there's an irony in that you know that he gave too much of his heart mm-hmm. and uh but that's what makes him so beautiful as a character like he's uh, he's one of the best characters ever written and then he dies after this song yes kills me and you know you know it's coming and you're still hooked and you're like please don't die this time mm-hmm. on night five of this community theater production you're not gonna you're gonna rise again yeah there will be no words mm-hmm. there will be no need for words but yeah, yeah and it's beautiful it's so simple and his 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 just want for someone else to be around and his his mind is opened by Anne. like yeah. she he he well, she gives him confidence in himself it's not even confidence he gives 
she gives him new worlds to explore mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. she she says things like the white way of delight and and mm-hmm. it's like it's a whole new way of thinking and there's part humor to it for mm-hmm. him like this is the sweetest thing and then he she opens his eyes to the world that he has been very stuck in like yep. he and Marilla are very stuck in a pattern right absolutely they are uh, she changes him for the better. Yes. She changes both of them for the better. She does. But they also change her for the better. Well, they give her a home. They give her security. They give her a place to grow. Give her love. Well, that's that's what she needs. Yeah. 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 So, Anna Green Gables. The light bright. Look at that. It's Matthew. It's Matthew shining through. Um, Yeah, I will say... I cried every night backstage because we'd all would walk off from there's a golden summer. uh, And then we would wait backstage for the end of the show. And I cried every night. How can you not? Like it, it just, and I wasn't even watching. I had had to listen to this scene and it is so heartbreaking. Cause as you said, the audience knows Matthew has to die. And this moment comes and you know once the song ends he's gone you know and i love for him not to go i i have to say what i very much respect about campbell heron and crew is that they let matthew die yeah yeah they didn't sugarcoat Um, that dear stephen schwartz take note Yes, we will. Characters we will, that are supposed to die should die. die. Yeah, for they a reason. Die. That is the trajectory of a story. You don't rewrite it. So it's better for you. Yeah, I mean, this whole scene is a masterpiece of a death scene. From when you come in and you have that calming music. Playing, you see Matthew struggling in the chair. And yet in his final moments, he's working to settle Anne, who's come in distressed. She's worried about him. And he's there as she sits next to him. He's stroking her hair. And he's saying, it's going to be okay. Damn, I'm getting teared up. I know. I know. (laughs) It's the worst. It It is. is. It's the worst, but the best at the same time. It is. And it's so sad because then when he can't hold on anymore, he sends her away and he dies. music is so peaceful because you're juxtaposed with watching this man have a heart attack and then once he has the heart attack the music slowly pitters and fades as the heart kind of gives its last few flutters until finally it's nothing and the lights fade to black and he's brought off stage that is why I love this story because it's just simple and Mm -hmm. beautiful Mm -hmm. And about goodness. Yes. We don't have enough goodness. No. In the world. And this is about goodness and empathy and kindness and humanity. The greatness of humanity. The possibility of greatness of humanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we need more Anna Green Gables. We do. We do. We do. 
Yeah. I also have a few more notes on on this scene. Okay. Uh, one is the lyrics. Because yeah. at the opening, we hear these lyrics and it's nice and it's like, I don't want to say frilly, but it's this nice kind of opening, lilting melody across the, the planes of PEI. And then when you get to this moment, you hear it differently. Like when Matthew talks about the blossoms fading, it's you're picturing Matthew, you're picturing the, the flowers that have come to, to pass. And I just love the way the lyrics now have new meaning to this piece because now you're listening into it as someone's final words. And it's like, mm, it's just so, so good. And I would rank this right up there with Valjean's Destiny Les Mis. Like, that's no. another fan yeah. fantastic death scene. But I like this one because we get to sit in the sadness. Yeah. Valjean dies and then we get a triumphant finale song. Here you have to sit in the sadness of that moment. And then you also get Marilla's song <laughs> right after, yeah. which like just compounds the tears um well, bam yeah exactly it's, it's a double whammy of sadness it is. but it there is. we go um okay autumn do you have any songs that you either would skip no. or cut i this is one musical i will listen all the way through purely mm -hmm. for nostalgia reasons i mean it is it's just part of our being canadian yes is to listen to this musical and i've never had the opportunity to be in this musical or to direct this musical. It is on my, it's in my top 10. Yeah. Out of all the musicals in the world, this is, I'm going to say it might even be number six. Ooh. I know. It's very close. Sometimes it'll probably sneak into the top five. Mm. Mm. I will say, I also do not have any songs I would want to cut. There are a few songs I will occasionally skip if I'm tight for time and I need to like just get to my faves. Like Wondering. Wondering. I'm not a big fan of Wondering. Awful nice and you'll be such a silly fool still. Never look your way. Wondering. Now they'll all I call her uh, the apology that they're in love, but that's okay. It's not that. It's just it's 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 okay. It, 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 it's the blowhard teenage song, wondering. It's the crooning song. It was very clear that I was going to try and be the breakout song that other people could sing. I could see like a Rat Pack remix of Wondering being sung. I don't, think there, I don't think this musical was designed for any breakout songs. That's the other reason why I like it. Mm, mm, that yeah. Everything is cohesive. Mm, yeah. No, I don't yeah. think this was written as a breakout song. I don't think it was intended as a breakout song, but it feels like one of those breakout songs from back in the day where it's like, where, where y'all got the one croonery song in there. Uh, and Wonder felt like that. Also, The Apology. It's one of those ones where I'm like, eh.
God, I love the apology. I, I love it on stage because you can direct it. I, I love it on stage because you can get the big over the topness of it. But when you're, you listen to it, sometimes it's just like, okay, all right, let's just get to the school. Like my, like, because well, I remember sitting backstage. Like, like, because uh, I, I remember sitting backstage waiting to go on, and we had to wait for this song to end, and it was like. Oh, you were just a greedy actor. You just wanted to get on stage. I just hurry this damn song up, Anne. That it's let's so go faint already. <laughs> wow, that's why it's not about the actual song. It's about your need to get on stage, Mackenzie. <laughs> Either way, those are the only two I could think of. Where it's like maybe I'll skip them if I'm really pressed for time, and it's like I can only listen to some of it. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like this is a great album overall the music is this this is such a lean story it's like we've come across a few of these musicals that are very lean and there's nothing you would want to take out for the sake of pulling that thread and then there's a now missing plot point this is one of those musicals it is a lean story i forget what some of the other ones are we've covered that we said are very lean and there's not much you can remove um oh um, it was um, Little Shop. We talked about Little Shop also being a very yeah. lean story where, where it knew it didn't need to do a three-hour epic story. It was done in an hour and a half. It's mm-hmm. a fast-moving story. Like, yes, they cut out some of the plot points like Anne falling. Like, we don't get to see Anne fall off the roof, but we do get to hear about it in the song. There's yeah. a few There's a few little moments like that, but overall, you get the juxta of the first book. Yeah. It's a great adaptation. It's a musical that is kind of epic, but never feels epic it feels like you sit down two or three hours go by and you're like oh it's done already yeah no mm-hmm. bummer yeah yeah okay watch- right hence why there should be a pro shot of this so people can watch it again and again and again no. At the home. no yes no people should be able to experience this story live mm. all right fair enough Okay, Autumn, let's get to the final question. Don't write new versions of this. Well, definitely write new versions. No, no finger legs, good speed version. It's not your story. I'm sorry. This is a Canadian story. It was written by Canadians. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Appreciate the original version of this story. Agreed. Like, uh, mess it up. Like Anne with an E. Mess, do not mess. This story is, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful story. And yes, Mackenzie, the final answer is yes. Over and over, every child should see this. Every person should see this. Everybody in the world should see this version. Mm-hmm. Not some newfangled, contemporized version of this we we actually need to go back and re-examine some of our values mm-hmm. about what makes goodness in the mm-hmm. world and mm-hmm. how do we each other and how do we embrace people who are different from us and, and which marilla and matthew do so beautifully with Anne. yes right like mm-hmm. this orphan child like what if she burns down buildings and all of this yeah. <laughs> that comes loaded with her mm-hmm. and the embracing of that and the awarding of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, 
um, there is messaging here that we need to go back to mm-hmm. and learn from. And, you know, um, yeah, yeah, this is this is a great piece for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great piece for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in imagination. Yes. Yes. I will say I also agree. This is a fantastic musical that still has a place today in the world and particularly in the realm of Canadian theater. This is a piece that will never stop being performed in Charlottetown because why would it be? Uh, It's clearly the Canadian musical that I don't know if it'll ever be beat. Come From Away has come along, but I don't know if it's gonna beat Anna Green Gables. I will say though, what I would love after the pandemic is a rep company should tour across Canada doing Anna Green Gables and Come From Away. Because those two musicals are about Canadian spirit and that goodness and the and, and, and the spirit. They're about look at Canadians are really great for the most part. We're not perfect. We're Nobody not is. perfect um entity of people. Mm-hmm. This is not the statement I'm trying to portray no. here. Mm-hmm. But you know what? There is um an element of that old timey goodness mm-hmm. uh, it's that, that human resilience story that these both these pieces have and it's something that i think after a pandemic where we don't need angsty works we need pieces like these that are going to lift our hearts and leave us going okay i i feel healed in my heart yeah it does heal the heart that it is heals exactly the heart it heals the heart it, and we need that and both those pieces do it like come from away never the ending never fails to bring tears to my eyes it is it is it is a purely canadian story you think mm-hmm. of the things that makes us canadian we are considered peacekeepers mm-hmm. we are nice we welcoming. are light we are welcoming mm-hmm. we are um open hearted open hearted we are genuine mm-hmm. hopefully yes you know i mean that is those are the words the world uses for our people mm-hmm. sometimes those very much do not ring true there that's fine a lot of we're not perfect all the time that's like any country as it does everywhere right yeah, exactly but, uh, this shows the goodness that lives in small towns mm-hmm. uh and offers conversations to people, sometimes people are judgy about people in small towns. Yes. And this is an invitation to start conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone across the world, you need to come to Canada and you need to see the show. Fantastic. Anna Green Gables, a true Canadian classic. Thank you one and all for listening and going on this journey with us. It's like, this was a great way to kick off the Canadian musical theater canon. Yes. We have many more coming your way. Like, I know we have Drazi Chaperone on the books, which is another big Canadian one. I don't know if we're going to get to Evil Dead anytime soon. It's there. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a smaller Canadian musical that, that hasn't made we it. Should do Life After. We should be doing Britta Johnson's work. She is incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll work on incorporating that into the schedule. But yeah. in the meantime, we want to give a big thanks to Mr. Brody Welt, our fantastic theme music composer. He has released a new album as well as some new single tracks. My personal favorite is still Home Decor. Brody, you just hit that song out of the park every time uh, with that one. I, I listen to that as I do my grocery shopping. It's a great, it's a great tune. Of course you do. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Brody. You can follow us at Before the Downbeat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
and Patreon. Yes, you can follow us on Patreon, donate a little bit once a month, and in return, we'll give you some goodies, such as movie musical commentaries, monthly theater news reviews, as well as top 10 lists. So who knows, maybe we'll do top 10 literary characters we feel deserve a musical uh, in honor of in honor of Green Gables, because there are a few that I think do uh, warrant a musical adaptation. I agree. Uh, there you go. Go on over to our Patreon, link in the bio. Check it out. Check out our link tree. And also make sure you keep engaging and guessing with us. Autumn, where can people find and follow you? Littlewood Smith, friends. Bring it home to the small town. <laughs> Littlewood Smith. Facebook, Instagram, website, all the things. Love it. Love it. Love it. You can follow me at Cup of Hemlock. Or follow me at Mackenzie Horner on all social media platforms, but you can follow my other antics, which include play reviews, duet reviews at Cup of Hemlock. We just did a review, a two-part review of all the Les Miserables uh, anniversary stage concerts. So if you want to get an inside peek of what my thoughts are on the concerts of Les Mis, not the actual musical itself, that we're saving that for Autumn and I for season eight. Yeah. But if you want to get an early idea of where I'm aiming with the musical, you can most certainly check you that don't out. know already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And f- go ahead and find your kindred spirit. Right. Yes. And wonder. Wonder. Yes. Wonder. And wonder. And uh, watch and, Anne and Gables. Yeah, watch Anne Gables. And just go out in the world with an open heart. Be like Anne, who has a beautiful open heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Be like Anne. Be like Anne. And on that note, everybody, thank you so much. And we will see you next week with our next choice. Uh, Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Bye. Thunder